Uh, amen. Well, turn to someone and please say hello that you haven't said hello to. And um, so what I'll do is I think I'll go along the line of what you've been going. I can preach this other thing, something else. <laughs> All right, I just want to piggyback a little bit of Clayton's messages, which I've loved. I haven't heard them all, unfortunately, because of our traveling. So he's been in a series on building blocks for partnership with God. And in Acts chapter 15, and if you have a Bible, maybe you can turn there, because I don't know who's visiting for the first time and who isn't. Acts chapter 15, verse 16. This is what it said, after this I will return and rebuild David's tabernacle or David's tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it that the remnant of men may seek the Lord. That's why it's going to happen. Ultimately, that's the purpose. That people would seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who, who does these things? that have been known for ages. So we see here God saying, I'm going to restore something that was lost or stolen for whatever reason, through neglect or the enemy's work came against it. And God restores truths. He restores things back to his people. He's in the business of restoring things. It's a great theme that goes right through the Bible, restoring what has been taken or lost or whatever. Again and again, promises, God promises to restore what has been lost or stolen. And God's people are called to do this. He part, we partner with him to bring some of that restoration back onto the face of the earth. Isaiah 58, 12 says this. You don't have to turn there. Your people will rebuild ancient ruins and they will raise up age-old foundations and you will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. You being the people of God. Isaiah 61 verse 4 says, They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And that's all coming after Isaiah 61, talking about the anointing. And so we see David's tabernacle is busy being restored. And it's mainly to do, but not only to do, with praise and worship. And that's what Clayton has been so wonderfully just teaching us. It's a praise and worship which includes music, drama, voices, dancing, many instruments expressed in and through your body and my body. I love to see what's happening in that corner there. Keep tapping my wife and say, see, see. But anyway. <laughs> and last week Clayton spoke about the seven different expressions of praise. Um, which, which is wonderful, and I encourage you to go get those notes or go listen to it again, because it's helpful to understand when you read Psalms what expression of praise they're talking about. And so there were different tribes of Israel, and these tribes represented different spiritual truths. The old is a shadow. It's a, a type of what's coming in the new. The old is, is in the natural. The new is in the spirit. So we see things happening in the natural because it's a spiritual truth that God wants to reveal to us in the new. We have to understand that. And so we had these 12 tribes, and we see that Judah means praise. The tribe of Judah. And if you go back and read about it, that's when it's first mentioned. So in, if you go to Genesis, 
uh, Genesis 29, 31 to 35, there is recorded Leah is having these four sons. Now, Leah was the lady that married Jacob, and he actually loved Rachel, and he worked, what was it, seven years for Rachel, and then the father came and said, no, actually, you've got to marry Leah. You've got to work another seven years. That's love. So he worked another seven years to get Rachel. But then Leah started to fall pregnant and had four sons, and Rachel's womb was bound up or tied up, the Bible says, and later on she has, she has children. But Leah's father forced upon Jacob after he had labored for Rachel for seven years. She knew that she was only Jacob's wife in a legal sense. She knew that. Then she began to bear children. Then she gave birth to her first son. She named him Reuben, meaning behold a son, with the thought that her husband would now love her. It says that in verse 32 of Genesis 29. Then Simeon was born, meaning hearkening or listening, was born, and she thought, God has heard me, and I will now be, really be united to my husband. Levi was next, meaning joined, with the expectation that this time my husband will be joined to me. Then she gave birth to Judah. And the Bible says, now I will praise the Lord. That's what, she's, that's what it says. And that's the first time in a sense it's mentioned. She really felt joined to Jacob then. And the spiritual truth is that when we are joined to our Father in heaven through Jesus Christ, praise arises in our heart. Because there's a spiritual joining, there's a spiritual union. That's the truth that comes. And you can't help yourself, but yes, thank you, God, and begin to praise because you've joined again with your Father in heaven. And praise is not about emotion or feeling, although it does include that. It's about the truth of the Word of God. That's what it's about. And so I want to talk a little bit about praise. What, why praise? First of all, praise inherits. Praise invites the blessing. Caleb which came from the tribe of Judah. And you know who Caleb was? He was one of the guys with Joshua that said, God can do what he said he's going to promise and give us the land. I know there's giants in it, but he's going to give us that land. He's faithful and true. So in spite of the giants, I believe God. And 40 years later, he inherited his land. And the Bible says it was one of the biggest places that he inherited. And so it tells me very clearly that when we face spiritual giants, when we learn to worship, those giants will come down when we learn to praise. It also says to me that even as my body gets older, spiritually I get stronger. Because in his old age he inherited. That's the spiritual truth that God wants to bring to us. And we can see it in Caleb. Judah was one of the tribes that stood on Mount Gazin, or how you pronounce it, when the blessing was pronounced, not on Mount Ebo, where the curses were pronounced. Judah stood on the blessing mountain. In Judges 1.1, the Bible says, After the death of Joshua, the Israelites asked the Lord, Who shall first go up and fight for us against the Canaanites? And the Lord answered, Judah will go up. I have given the land into their hands. Past tense. And so praise had to go first. That was the Lord's decree. Praise has to go. Praise releases the power of God on our behalf. It is a powerful weapon when we begin to just praise God for who He is. 
not for what we're going to get. Just learn to praise him. I feel like I shouldn't be preaching this. I feel like my wife should be preaching this. Because about four or five years ago, she came to me and she started to talk to me about this. And we've known about it. But like God took it to a different depth. And she came and kept speaking to me about it. And she got hold of a book by Ruth Heflin called Glory. And she read it. And she spoke to me about praise. And spoke to me about praise. And then I'd come home sometimes from the church here. And as I walked in the front door, I could hear that the whole house was shaking. Because <laughs> the praise was going. My wife was dancing, really. And sometimes she didn't know because the music was so loud, she didn't hear me coming. Um, and I'm standing there watching, and she's going crazy and dancing. She's just praising the Lord. Despite the aches and the pains. <laughs> Praise releases the power of God, I say. And we see this with Jehoshaphat. And I want you to turn to two chronicles if you've got a Bible. If you haven't, take your neighbors. <laughs> Two Chronicles, two Chronicles. It's a story we know, but it's a story worth reading. Two Chronicles, it's about Jehoshaphat. Two Chronicles, chapter 20. Let's go to verse 10. But now there are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory would not allow Israel. There's a Jehoshaphat coming to the Lord and speaking to him about it and saying, these men from Ammon, Moab, and verse 10, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. God told them to go around them. See how they repay us by coming and driving us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon this guy, the son of, son of, son of, son of, son of, son of, I just can't pronounce the names. And he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Z, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeriel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, O Judah. Remember? Praise. And Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some of the Levites from Korites and all those guys as well stood up and praised the Lord and the God of Israel with a very loud voice. And that word praise is halal. That's, that's, that's exact, uh, uh, very expressive, like my wife does, dancing around and praising and using every part of your body, exuberant praise. That's what it means. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah, you people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord, your God, and you will be upheld. Your faith, have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out 
of the army, of the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. And that word, give thanks, that expression of praise, giving thanks, means literally with uplifted hands. So they went out as this va- in front of this vast army with uplifted hands. We give thanks to the Lord, his love endures forever. Give thanks to, that's all they did, people. And you see the problem, you see the result. As they begin to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon and, Mount, and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. They turned in upon themselves, that's what they did. They turned in upon themselves. And then when, verse 24, and the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked towards the vast army and saw only dead bodies lying on the ground, no one had escaped. Folk, when God has given you a promise and everything seems to be coming against what God has promised you, praise. 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 Get some songs that will cause you to praise. Use your body. Lift up your hands. Lift up your voice. Walk up and down. You don't feel like it. Everything in you doesn't feel like it, but start it, because it's a sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice of praise. Jabez was one of the heads of the Judah. He cried out in 1 Chronicles 4, 9 and 10, enlarge my territory, and God did. That's what praise does. It facilitates enlargement inside of us. It's because enlargement has to come here before it comes there. So we can deal with what's coming there because we've been enlarged here. Enlarge the place. Enlarge yourself inside. Enlarge yourself inside of me. That's basically what he cried out. And the Bible says, Judah praised and God did it. Not immediately that it started to happen. Praises have authority. Jerusalem, the capital of Judah, was the city of kings. Hosea 11.12 says, Judah yet rules with God. Demons flee when believers praise. Discouragement goes. Doubt runs. The world loses its attraction when we praise Jesus, the King of praise, who was born in Judah in Bethlehem. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. I came here yesterday to prepare, and I saw some, um, I was walking up and down here, and then I realized there were some people in there. Where's Telly? You were there for hours. But anyway, bless you. Yeah, it was wonderful. Just people just sacrificing their time to help others. And then on my way home, I started to put on some old praise songs. Huh. And I told Michelle on the way home, I got so caught up with it, it's never happened to me before. There was a moment where I felt like I didn't want to be on earth. Earth just lost every attraction it had. Just lost it. I actually didn't want to be here, I'm just being honest. And I realized that's what the praise started to facilitate. 
the earth begins to lose its attraction. That's what begins to happen. And an encounter night, I got my phone out about two or three nights ago, or two or three weeks ago, we had an encounter night, and for those of you who will know what I'm about to say, there was a moment during encounter night where we just felt God wanted to speak something, and there was a young lady, Felicity, who Josh knows quite well. She's a visitor here, her and her husband. How old is she, Josh? Late 20s? Yeah, young lady, lovely young couple. I don't know who she was. She came up and she was speaking to Michelle, and Michelle pulled me over and said, this lady's got a word. I just trust my wife, so I said, go for it. And then I wrote to her later, and I said, please send me the word, because I felt it was an important word. Hi, Ken, it was wonderful to meet you last weekend, and thank you again for the encouraging words. Below is a description and highlight of the different areas you asked for. When I entered into worship, I had this odd picture of a lion's head over where the worship team was. As I worshipped, the picture did not go away, and I got the sense that the Lord was saying, I will roar. It all seemed rather random. Throughout the evening, I sensed God's presence. Yet when the song, His Name is Jesus, came on, it was like something changed. I heard out of nowhere, I am roaring. As the song continued building, it was as though His presence was compelling me to speak this out. Sorry, speak this out. Also, in the building, the phrase, I am roaring, began reverberating in such a way that I was almost shaking. I did not want to go up, but I knew I had to obey the Father. And this is the word, the lion of the tribe of Judah is roaring. The lion of the tribe of Judah is roaring. And as he is roaring over us, chains have been broken, and the walls in our hearts are also being broken. He is roaring. So will, will we let him roar? Will we make space for him to roar? I believe the word was something along these lines. I apologize, and I cannot remember exactly, but it was along these lines. After sharing the word, I could sense a true response of the body, a welcoming him to roar as the lion of the tribe of Judah. There was something in that space as we all cried out together that was otherworldly. In all my times of sharing a word, I've never felt a response like that. Nor have I been shaken in the days after. She said for days after, her body was still shaking. Uh, what I have sensed is that those walls in our hearts that God desires to break has nothing to do with sin or anything like that. I feel as though they have to do with the walls that we have put up around God parameters. How he has moved before and also the walls of our comfort. How, he, how we would like God to move or show up or encounter us. Those are the walls he wants to break. In other words, I'm going to break the boxes you put me in. <laughs> I'm going to roar over my people. But it's the line of the tribe of Judah. And as I've thought about it, I've thought, how will this happen, Lord? How will this actually, because I always try and take a spiritual truth and try and earth it. How can it work here on earth? How can I partner with you? And I feel like God's saying, as we learn to praise, I will begin to roar over you. As we learn to take time to praise, I will begin to roar over you. And the things in your hearts will come down. And I don't know why I'm sharing this, because I didn't know I was going to. And then on the way home, I told you what happened. <laughs> this is going to be strange to some of you. I'm just going to tell you what happened. I just, like, I felt like I just didn't want to live here. I just felt like I just wanted to be with the Lord. Earth lost everything. 
And then all of a sudden, I felt this pain develop inside me. And I didn't know, right just in this area, and I didn't know what it was. And I just carried on praising. And then I really began to sense what it was. That God set me free from something. I had no idea what it was. Thank you. Whoever laughed out there. <laughs> Thank you. When I got home, I could, just, I could feel the sulfur taste in my mouth. So I knew what it was. I knew it was setting me. I didn't know what it was a problem. And that came through praise. As I spent the morning just studying and reading on it and spending time doing it, I came in here and I walked up and down and praised and praised and praised and praised. Then on the way home, I put on some old songs that I used to praise to like 25 years ago. And that's what happened. Hallelujah. Now I'm a little bit more lovable, my darling. Okay. (laughs) I'm just telling you what happened. That's all. Don't understand it all. That's the word from encounter. When we praise, the line of Judah roars. Judah was the first to anoint David king. For seven and a half years, the other tribes followed the other kings. Judah submitted to God's choice and anointed David. Praise in thrones, Christ the king. It facilitates the coming of the kingdom. Because Judah anointed David king. He was called to be king. Praises are men of combat. 1 Chronicles 12 gives a list of all the groups who came to help David in his battle with Saul. The first group listed, the children of Judah, carrying shield and spear. Praises bring joy. The daughters of Psalm 97 verse 8 said, The daughters of Judah rejoiced. You will never be happy until you begin to praise. Truly happy. Praises produce. Hosea 10.11 says, Judah must plow. We must plow before we plant. As we praise, God plows the hearts of the unsaved, preparing them to receive the word. That's what praise does. It plows. It plows the ground. It plows our hearts. It plows the fertile ground so that it can become fertile. Begin to praise, and you will be surprised at what God has done or will do. Go with me to Romans chapter 12. Still got time. Praise the living Lord. Romans 12. How do we make this practical? As practical as we can make it. I hope this is helpful, people. I really want to encourage you to get into a lifestyle of praise. A lifestyle of praise. Don't worry about the circumstances. Don't worry what's going on. I'm going to encourage you to do this. Take a piece of paper. Write on the piece of paper what you're trusting God for or what you're struggling with or what hasn't come your way that God's promised. Write it on, put it on the floor, stand on it, forget about it, and just praise God. Just praise God. Praise Him for who He is, His greatness, His mercy, His forgiveness. Praise Him for His splendor. Praise Him for His power. Praise Him He's God of all the earth. Praise God. Just praise Him and praise Him and praise Him. And at times, it takes a while to get into it. It doesn't come easy at first. It really doesn't. But as you persevere, what I find is if you can sink your mind, your heart, and your mouth together, things change. Because what's coming out your mouth, your heart, your mind is somewhere else. 
Even this morning, I found that happening. I'm worshiping God, but my mind was somewhere else. I'm saying, Grandpa, what's wrong with you? Get your mind back. Okay, sorry, sometimes I'm too honest for people. It's just real. But I find because what happens is the devil wants to distract us about not bad things, but just things, life and what happened yesterday and, and uh, the sport I watched or whatever and how wonderful the goal was or whatever the case is. But praise is coming out of my mouth, but my mind's somewhere else. You know what I'm talking about. And I find that as you get this and this and this to sync, to come in agreement, something happens. But it takes time. It just takes time. I don't know how else to say it. It takes time. But it will happen. And as you do it more and more, the time that it takes gets less and less and less and less. And what time sometimes took 50 minutes, now will take you 10 minutes. And then you sense His presence. And as you sense His presence from the praise, then worship comes. Then deep worship comes. And you fall on your knees. And you feel Him ministering to your heart. And then you just stay in His presence. Then it's like His glory begins to come over you. And the Bible says we're changed from one degree of glory to the next. And it's a building block for that, how that happens. Praise. That's where it starts. But it requires some sacrifice. That's what it does. Romans chapter 12. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of verse 1, verse God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. What I was going to preach on, I'll give you in five minutes, and I'll preach on another time. David was anointed three times. It's one of the only the Old Testament people that was anointed three times. There's actually nobody I know in Scripture, maybe the other in Jesus, had three anointings on him. He got anointed as a little boy, as a shepherd boy, to become king. He wasn't anointed as king. To become king. And then there was many years that went by when he went through trials and tribulations. And the Bible says, and the word tested him. And what that means is the word that God anointed him to come, to walk into, tested him. It changed him. It worked. It had to work something in him. So he could be in a place to receive when he needed to become king. The same thing happened with Joseph. The Bible says the word, he had this great vision of his parents bound down to him and his brothers down bound to him in Genesis 37. And if you read Psalm 105, I think it's verse 14 or 15, the Bible says, and the word tested him. That's what trials and tribulations do. It forms character in us. It's not that God's cross with us. He's shaping us to receive what he wants to give us. It's wonderful. Amen. And so he had to learn to be submitted to King Saul, who wanted to kill him, who threw javelins at him. And even when King Saul died, he mourned, he wept. Think about that. The guy who wanted to kill you when he dies, you weep. What it means to be submitted to somebody in your life. Because it's a testing process. And God was testing him and letting the word test him. And then he got anointed the second time. 
when Judah anointed him, the tribe of Judah. Seven and a half years there was king, and then the rest of the tribes came later and anointed him. Three anointings. He was anointed as prophet, priest, and king. Acts chapter 2 says he was a prophet. David was a prophet. He was meant to be a king. But he was also a priest. He did some priestly stuff. Jesus came in the fullness as foreshadowed in the coming of Jesus. Prophet, priest, and king. The fullness of prophet, priest, and king. He calls his church to be prophetic. We need to be prophetic people. Not the gift of prophecy, but prophetic. Prophetic is what Clayton says. You see the future coming, and you live with that in mind. You don't live with what's happening yet. So you make decisions with what God has said is coming. These de- that determines the decisions you make. That's what it means to be prophetic, very simply. That's what it means to be prophetic. That's faith. Sorry, left it. Is that better? Praise the living Lord. Okay. Sorry. Now, when everybody's straining, I thought, gee, I've really got the attention. It's not they can't hear, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So we're meant to be prophetic people. That's what God wants us to be. We're children of light. Live like children of light. But we're also meant to be kings. The Bible says in many places, particularly in Revelation, you're kings and priests of the kings to exercise kingly authority, and we need to know how to do that. But we're also meant to be priests, holy priests. Peter says you're a holy priest, a royal nation, bringing spiritual sacrifices unto God. And here's one of them. Your body is a spiritual sacrifice, your living body. In the old they gave animals, in the new you give your body. Because he lives in you. So you keep putting your body on the altar. Hello? I keep raising my hands when I don't want to. That's a living sacrifice. It's a living sacrifice. And the Bible says this is pleasing to God. It's an aroma. Because the Bible, that's what it is. If you go back to the whole thing of offerings, Noah offered, offered, and the the Bible says this offering went up that Noah gave, and it was an aroma, and it was pleasing to God. And so to become spirits become priests, New Testament priests. There are five spiritual sacrifices that God wants us to offer. And this is one of them. Your body. Because he lives in you. He says, give me your body. Worship me. Honor me with your body. How to, with my voice, singing, shouting, prophesying, creative song. Speaking praise, petition, thanksgiving, rejoicing, voice, 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 hands, clapping, lifting up. There are people clapping today. That's how we do it. The body, standing. Standing is a demonstration of respect. Kneeling, bowing down, dancing. I want to commend that young lady first. What is her name? Ariel. What's her name? Ari. Ari. Is Ari here? Okay. I remember when we were in the other building, she used to come up by herself and dance in the corner. She was a little girl then. She's now a young lady. It was a prophetic action. That's what it was. It was a prophetic action. She used to just come and dance. Left it again. I don't know what's going on here. Aaron, I need, I need that man's help. I know. Thank you. 
I should get some sellotape and just glue it. Thank you. And so I just want to commend her. Now, I don't want you all to come up and dance. Please don't do that. You do it because God has called you to do it. But it was like a prophetic action. And now I looked over there and I saw a whole pile of people with dancing and whatever cases. It's just wonderful to see. It's an expression. It's an act of worship. That's what it is. Kneeling, dancing. Dancing is very key. Very key. And so in Isaiah 54, we're coming to an end of this. Let's go to Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54. Oh, how do you pronounce it? Isaiah. One day we'll ask him. <laughs> and then we'll all be shocked. We're all going to get it. Come here. Tell us your name. <laughs> <All right? laughs> One day we will ask him. That'll be wonderful. So, your voice is a powerful weapon of warfare to advance the kingdom out there. It really is. It releases authority. And look at Isaiah, Isaiah, wherever you pronounce it, 54. How does it start? Sing, a barren woman. Sing, barren woman. Sing, barren woman. Sing. You never bore a child. Burst into song. Shout for joy. You who are never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your curtains wide. Do not hold back. So how do we break barrenness? How does enlargement come? Sing, O barren woman. Shout aloud for joy. Sing. Thank you. Sing. That's what the Bible says. Nothing's happening. Sing. Tough time. Sing. <laughs> You'll be surprised what will happen down the line. When we can worship God truly with our heart in tough times when things are not going our well, God has got us in a good place. When things are coming and less complaining is coming and more worship is coming, wonderful thing. Wonderful thing. Praise changes the atmosphere. In your heart, in your house, changes the atmosphere. When we worship here, the atmosphere changes in this place. When there's a corporate atmosphere change, it's a lot easier. We had it this morning. Just as we focused on who Jesus is, as we glorified his name, you could sense his presence coming into the place. And then anything can happen. He's doing one work in one person. He's doing another work in another person. He's speaking to a word to that person, and he's just comforting another person. It's wonderful. He's God. As we worship, praise penetrates the room or the space with the fragrance of God and it will change the atmosphere, increasing and facilitating His precious anointing. That's what it will begin to do. It is at times in the presence that sometimes we need to declare things or just stand. We just need to stand and hold our hands up. Remember in Exodus 17 when Joshua had to fight in the valley, what did Moses do on top of the mountain? He just stood there with his hands up. Something, sometimes nothing has to come out of our mouth. 
is a presence. You just stand in His presence, lifting your hands. You just stand. You just stand. Just stand. And something happens. Holy hands are lifted up. I want to end with reading three songs as if I can. Let's go to Psalm 47. I hope this has been helpful, people. Cultivate a lifestyle of worship. I encourage you. I encourage you strongly. I encourage you. Lifestyle of worship. I want to commend my friend Dave. I saw him. I looked at him there, sitting over there. Pravat, thank you. I forgot his last name. I don't know his last name, but I forgot it. I sometimes see him come in here and just worshiping and praising. Now, it doesn't mean you all have to come here, please, because then you won't be by yourself. It's just what I'm encouraging you. I'm just encouraging people that I see this, trying to develop a lifestyle. And I know in Dave, because he's spoken to me, some of the times things have been bleak in his life for a situation, but I've seen him come here and praise God. Wonderful. Psalm 47. Clap your hands. Ooh, hallelujah. All the nations shout to God with cries of joy. Psalm 4. How awesome is the Lord Most High, the great King over all the earth. He subdued the nations under us, peoples under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob. God has ascended. Admit shouts of joy. Isn't that amazing? It's like God will arise in shouts of joy. Amazing, eh? God waits for us to shouts of joy. And it's like God arises. The Lord admits the sounding of trumpets, and they were loud. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing to Him a psalm of praise. God reigns over all the nations. God is seated on His holy throne. The nobles of the nations assemble all the peoples of God of Abraham, for the kings of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. That tells us who submits to who. Period. God be exalted. Two more psalms. Psalm 100, 100 and what? 149. The last two psalms in the Bible. And remember, all these were written to music. All of these were sung. Praise the Lord. That word praise is halal. That's an exuberant praise that my wife often does. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. He's praising the assembly of the saints. That second word praise is tehillah. Tehillah. Thank you. I'll pronounce. Okay. That's where he begins to like inhabit your praises. Tehillah. So you praise him, with, and then all of a sudden his presence comes. And it says, uh, sing a new song, and that's when a new song comes out of you. That's right there in the scripture. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name, hello, with dancing. Oh, we can dance. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. You know, you know what I did in our last church back in South Africa? I felt like we needed some breakthrough. So I preached a little bit on this, not a lot. And I said, all right, we're going to dance. So I actually got every couple. I said, get your wife. They, I said, just come and dance up front. And we had people dancing, just dancing as they wanted. All that. It was wonderful. 
We won't do that today, okay? Because I see some people saying, woo, woo, okay. <laughs> Let him praise his name with dancing and make music to him with tambourines and harp. This is loud. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with salvation. Let the saints rejoice in this honor and sing for joy on their beds. May the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands. Why? To inflict vengeance on the nations that would be on the works of darkness. Punishment on the people and the works of darkness. To bind their kings with fetters and nobles with shacks of iron. To carry out the sentence written against them. This is the glory of his saints. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You're right. Last Psalm. Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Hello. Praise God in his saints. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His active power. Praise Him for His support and grace. Praise Him with sounding of cymbals. Praise Him with high harps and lows. Praise Him with tambourines and dancing. Praise Him with strings of fruit. Praise Him with a clash of cymbals. Praise Him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Yeah. Hallelujah. And I know this is Northern Virginia but we're going to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Good. Now I don't know what to do. So, <laughs> you want to say anything? I trust that develop a lifestyle of praise. You will see some amazing breakthroughs come through. Thank you. See, wasn't that wonderful? Yeah, really good there. Thank you. You know, I am... Um, I know it's late, so we, we'll go, but I just want to say one quick thing. I, why aren't you going to pray for us real quick? So. Oh, okay. And um, when I got saved, I said to the Lord, I'm going to be a man of prayer, and I started to pray and pray and pray. And it, it was just, it felt limited, as, no matter how much I prayed. And I learned this thing of praise, and that's why I went and studied what I did about David's tabernacle. And so even over the last couple of weeks, it's been kind of like teaching, teaching, teaching. But then my dad has a way of just bringing it like across in a different way. But unless we see it in here, see in Africa I found when we would travel up into Africa and do, like you couldn't even pray for healing unless, you know, you couldn't teach on something unless you did it. Because they're like, well, we'll just go to the witch doctor, like they can do it. So yeah. first do it, then you can teach it. In America, you have to show everything in scripture before you can do anything because of the the false and the abuse and the, over the years. So unless we see it in here, so some of what we've gone into is a bit in depth, but it's, it's one of those subjects or seasons where in the future you're going to, you know, you're like, I don't remember all the points and all the stuff I don't have to, but I know deep in my heart I must just praise. But you have to see it here. I learned under the anointing with the youth, I learned just to the anointing of God would come on us and we administer, and there was such power, God would do such amazing things. But the youth would all laugh and mock me in a funny way because they knew, come two or three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, God's going to move that night. They would see me running across the field with my computer speakers like dangling, and you know, I would disappear for three or four hours before the meeting. They would even start worship, and I'd be still by myself. 
And they're like, why don't you just pray? Why do you need all this, like, little speakers and I'm trying to carry everything and trying to find a room or a cabin or something somewhere where I could put on loud music and people leave me alone. And I just began to pray and to praise until the Lord would break in. And then I would pray for the people. It's like you win the victory before you go then and do yeah. it. Yeah. And I tell you, in the last, in, at the church property where we're going to build a thousand-seater, hopefully, in the next 18 months to two years, I wanted, I, I'm going to get in trouble here, but I've always wanted like a, a soundproof room that people can book and they can just come plug in something and just praise. Because sometimes you can't do that in a townhouse. You can't do that. And it is either we believe it or we don't. And I, the one time I went away, I used to go away for four or five days to pray and do this. And I would pray and pray and pray. And the one time I'm praying and praying, it's like the second, third day. And that's really hard. You know, it, it, I actually don't even look forward to it because of the emotional. And Alison reminded me of this with an email the other day. And I'm, I'm praying, but just nothing, just concrete. And eventually the Lord says to me, son, nothing will break until you dance. Now, I'm on the top of a mountain in a wood cabin. I look like this. I don't dance. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, well, no one's there, but it's still awkward. I don't even know what to do. I'm like, I don't know how to dance. You know? So I basically jumped around like a monkey. <laughs> and that's so weird. Like, you know, people like in Northern Virginia, they're like, you can't preach that. But as soon as I started to dance, honestly, it's like heaven opened. And I began to weep in the power of the Lord. And things changed in the church for the next season. But I wasn't even doing, I was somewhere else. Because I'm in authority here. So what about you and your family? And your job? Praise. Good. Praise we're gonna, rather than me pray, we're going to end with a song. It's called The Lion of the Tribe of Judah. <laughs>